0: And Melbourne Football Club. You're listening to the coaches panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cotchen from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Pennebry from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the coaches panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Roy Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell
1: from the Hawthorne Footy Club, and you're listening to the coaches panel. Hey, friends. You got MJ from the coaches panel. Number 13 of the 50 most relevant He's a guy. He made it last year into the 50 without even playing a game of footy. That's how good this player is. I'm talking about Matt Rowell, the 2019 number one draft pick. Joining me on this episode, we haven't heard from him for around about a month, uh, right in the 40s, Caldwell and Rosie podcast episodes. You've got to go back to check them out. I'm talking about Louis. Hello, mate. How are you?
0: Good AMJ. It's been a little while now, mate, but I'm I'm keen to get back and start talking about Matty Rowell, who for the next 10 years minimum, I think is going to be a bit of a fantasy juggernaut.
1: He's got, there's everything about him suggests he's going to be an absolute monster for us for a really long period of time. And despite only playing a handful of games, we saw some monster scores in shortened quarters in 2020. His best ever score was also his highest scores, oddly enough with your first ever season. Uh, It was a 106 in AFL fantasy and dream team. You want to play the adjusted averages. That's well over that 120 marker while in super coach. If you play that format of the game, Check this out, 171 points. Not a bad effort in your second ever game of footy. From an average perspective, he he delivered for us a 70.8 in Dream Team, while that's been adjusted up for AFL Fantasy at an 88.5. While in Supercoach, he did manage to crack the ton in his debut season with 100.8. In that format, he is going to be priced just under 500k, just over 570000 in AFL Fantasy and $588,400 in DT. And Louie, there was lots of talk in the preseason last year. Could Matthew Rowell emulate the incredible debut season that we got before from Sam Walsh? Walsh did something that no first-year draftee had really ever done, and that is dominate from day one. But Matt Rowell, while we only saw a small sample size of games, showed that from day one, this kid's going to dominate the fantasy footy landscape.
0: Oh, and didn't he just, from round one versus Port Adelaide, puts up an 80 to start his career in fantasy, which is, you know, relatively unheard of besides the rare few. Um, Look, he's perfect in that inside midfield brigade in the Suns, Sam Walsh is a great comparison that you make Mm. uh, MJ, because we saw that he was hyped up during his draft year, his junior years, Um, all the blokes that get paid more than us to tell us Mm. what these blokes can do are saying that, hang on, Matt Rowe might just be better than Sam Walsh. So we saw him come in. He played his first year. Uh, He only played four games, but we saw enough to suggest that he could probably take it up to Sam Walsh. And, that comparison is so great because we saw Sam Walsh back it up in his second year. And that's what we're expecting Matt Rowe to do in 2021.
1: It certainly is look across the, he did play five games across the year. If you want to really include that game, that nothing really happened, but we're not going to do that for the sake of this conversation, but 18 possessions, he averaged last year, five tackles, four clearances, four score involvements per game, two rebound 50s and two inside 50s. So we're seeing as you look through those columns of score builds, a guy that can get the ball on the inside, no problem. A guy that can be damaging on the outside. A guy that can win the ball at the face a guy that can bring defensive pressure, and then someone that works hard both ways of the ground to support his defensive unit while also becoming an attacking weapon. That average last year in Dream Team and Fantasy of 70 uh, adjusted up to an 88. These are some of his scores non-adjusted from that year. 64, not bad start. 108, 104, and 78. Not a bad start. Let's check out how he went in super coach for those full games that he was able to play for us off that average of 172. I know what I'll do. I'll just add another 100 on top of that for the next week with a 172, 141 and 114. He did like you said, what Sam Walsh did in terms of dominated fantasy football and just the football landscape as a junior. Translated that through to us in albeit a handful of games in 2020 and now Because of the injury, he does come with a little bit of an an injury discount for us. So in 74 average is uh, what he's been priced at for us in AFL fantasy. That's around about 15 points unders what he delivered for us last year. Priced at a 92 in SuperCoach, So around about eight points per game underneath what he delivered for us and priced at a 63 in dream team and fantasy. That's around about seven points per game unders. And I think that's what people are excited by. We saw great scoring, limited quarters. Yes, he's 200000 more than what we had to pay for him last year. But at this price, Louis, does he have to be a premium for us? Maybe it's a different conversation for every format. But does he have to pop 100 average for us to make his selection worthwhile in 2021?
0: No, not at all. Like you said, um, if he can uh, redo his numbers in his first four games last year of 90, he's 15 points underpriced. And what we already saw was that ceiling. And he builds that ceiling through hitting all the stat lines bar probably marks, which you could also argue there's scope for improvement yeah. in that area as well. So I think a player like that, that can accumulate their fantasy score by hitting the scoreboard, he, he showed that he was great um, when running out of the midfield and shooting at goal. He finds the football, he's an accumulator, he gets the football first touch and he still has a nice kick-to-handball ratio because of that, which is quite rare. Often we'll see a bloke might have 12 handballs, three kicks and their fantasy score suffers because of that. Matt Rao's not like that and his tackles are always going to bring his floor straight up. So I think what he's priced at is probably his floor possibly yeah. one of the lowest scores we will see in 2021. I think the discussion we've got to have is what can he do above that? Because I think we all know that Matt Rao has plenty of upside in 2021. Yeah, he does. Look, for for me, and we'll talk about
1: the injury that he's returning from that just a shoulder injury in just a moment. I, I think for me, where he's priced at in AFL fantasy, normally they would award the injury discount to a player's highest average of the previous two seasons. But because Rau's only got one season, um, it goes straight onto that one. So for me in that format, if he's fit firing, even if he gets managed, which has been some of the conjecture in the preseason, you know, I feel fantasy he's priced at such a level where there's no risk. He's it's also got such game, high bro. ownership that there's no risk because of so many people on him. So I think in dream team and super coach, a little different because he's priced at that 92 marker in super coach. For me, I think in that format, he does have to hit that 100 market, maybe even get up to the 105 to really deliver some returns. While in dream team and fantasy, I think it's similar. The reason I suggest that I suppose Louis is we're not shy on value picks through the middle portions um, in our midfield uh, players that we've already talked about in the 50 most relevant, maybe some others that are still to come include Rory Sloan, Jackson Hately, Dyson Heppel, Ben Cunnington, all of these guys, depending on the format you play, he's priced in, around, or even more expensive than some of these other names. So it does start to get hard where we go, can I pick him at the same price point when I've got a Rory Sloan, who's done multiple years of 100-plus averages, as opposed to a guy that's really only shown four games of good scoring? That's going to be sometimes a little bit of a dilemma for coaches this preseason, isn't it? De-
0: definitely, MJ. But I think with those players that you did mention as well, your Heppel types, Rao has a clear, defined role. True. He's going to be in that midfield. He is a he's a franchise player. The, the Suns are building their team around Matt Rao. So I think in terms of yes, he doesn't have the runs on the board. He does in juniors, but not previously at AFL level, of course, like Aurora Sloan does, who goes at 100. So you're looking at the potential upside of him instead, whereas these other guys, yes, they've got upside. Uh, they've got improvement where they're priced at, but, you know, can they reach the heights that what a Raw could? Like, we've seen his ceiling, so...
1: Yeah, look, for, for me, I, I think there's plenty of upside in him. That shoulder injury that he's coming off the back of, again, if you want to have some concern, the good news is he's being able to do the aerobic and the endurance side of the preseason. You don't need your shoulder to run. So the good news is he's still going to get those kilometres into the legs and build that fitness space. I suppose the concern is, Louis, how does uh, such an in-and-under footballer, he's not one-dimensional, he's not this is not a slide. He's not a Patrick Cripps where Cripps is all inside and not much else. Raul's shown, albeit in a few games, he's got a little bit of both to him. I suppose that's the thing that coaches might have some hesitancy about. How does he return from that shoulder? Um, How does he handle himself? And like you mentioned, he's a franchise player for the club. Do they choose to play the long game and go, look, if he misses every three or four weeks because we're just caring for him, that might be some level of concern for coaches.
0: Oh, definitely, MJ. And I think we've already seen that the Suns are going to take that route. We knew as soon as he was injured in round five, just a few days later, the Suns were happy to say, no, wrap him up in cotton wool. We'll get him ready for the next preseason. You know, this is a bloke we want fit and firing as much as possible. Uh, Compare that to like a titch in round one who hurt his shoulder So, you know, they're definitely taking more precautionary measures because Rao could have played the season. You know, he would have played through pain, but would have affected him going forward. My concern with the shoulder is that I brought up Titch. You've also got Judd, Ablett, Rocky. All these blokes have hurt their shoulders at stages, Mm. you know, close to their fantasy peak. So when they have ended up coming back and they're up to a certain amount of fitness where they can take the field at AFL level, they're not putting up the same numbers often yeah. they're dipping and then they are returning or it's the beginning of a steady decline in scoring
1: yeah so and I well think that's know is
0: whether or not Matt Rao uh, can push through the pain is mm. their pain but also whether or not the Suns are going to be ultra precautionary like you said after round four they might say yep he's a little bit sore or not nah, your load's been a little bit too large in the first four rounds we're going to rest you for this game and then you can play the next block of four and we'll assess their
1: yeah, I think that's probably, if anything, the most likely scenario is they they want him for as long in his footy career as possible. And is a round or two really going to matter in the shape of his career? Absolutely not, in, in their view. And so it wouldn't shock me if they manage him at points this year. On the other side, wouldn't shock me if he said, stuff, yeah. I'm firing, I'm fit, I'm going for it. And he absolutely brains it in 2021. He's got everything about him to suggest that the only thing is history is against him as a second year player from delivering big numbers. We're, we're talking Clayton Oliver, we're talking Nat Fife, we're talking Jackson McRae. Like it's rare for a player in their second season, doesn't mean it doesn't happen. And Raul is a rare talent. But it is certainly, the odds are probably a little more against him just based on variables and data there, isn't it, Louis, that says most second year players hold or regress but Raoul ain't any normal player.
0: Yeah, often that happens just due to a little bit of a role change in their second year. They've got a bit more fitness, they've got a Bit of a bigger body, and just the coaches wanting to expand the skill set yeah. of the player. These blokes are 18 19 years old, they've come from juniors where they've been pretty much pigeonholed into one role. So, Raoul was obviously a midfielder, he was very good at it, and mm. he now finds himself playing in the AFL round one last year inside in the midfield. So, that sort of speaks a testament to the role and what he can do in there. I think in his second year, we're going to see more of that. I'm not sure. Rao is going to be used on a wing, like a like a Noah Anderson is perfect for that. They just yeah. went and got Brandon Ellis. He's yeah, not going to be used up forward well. because yeah. I'm not sure he's got the nows, the goal nows to sort of, you know, from stoppages, snap those freaky little Eddie Betts kicks. I think his best role is in the midfield and I'm going to be watching him really close in the preseason, especially his time on ground and, and, and just purely his role in the guts there on what he can deliver and whether that's a sign of what's to come in 2021.
1: Yeah, it's fair. Look, you know, um, I think he's the best player on the Gold Coast Suns list already. I thought that before he even played a game. Again, not a slide to the Suns. It's just how good he is. Has he put a target on his back? Well, round one, they come up against the West Coast Eagles. Wonder do they have known historically to go for a tag? Can they or will they go and do that? Round two is North Melbourne. Round three, the Adelaide Crows. Round four is the Carlton Football Club. Round five, they come up against the Bulldogs. And then round six, Sydney. So probably outside of West Coast and maybe Carlton, um, there's a history beyond a few games where they do like to use a tagger. Whether or not they do that, whether or not they send it to Rao, those are things that I guess we'll have to wait and see. But certainly, he's going to be a phenomenal player for a long period of time. And should he get through the preseason unscathed? I think if you're an AFL fantasy coach, given that ownership, given that price point, you don't need to get pretty, just lock it in. And in dream team and super coach, if you think he's got the capacity to go right up to that hundred marker in dream team and fairness in dream team, a little bit over that, maybe hundred, 105 in super coach. Then I think you've got some value for money with those selections, but where he goes in a draft, Louis, this interests me in great deal. Yes. Is there somewhere for you? You think I like, I think if you want rail, you might have to reach a little to get him is where I think like to definitely secure him. Where do you think he goes in a draft?
0: Yeah, he's a fascinating draft player because there will be people that decide to reach on route and there will be people that are quite cagey. So going somewhere in between, I think, and not being a draft player myself, mostly purely classic, to me, he seems like he'd be a very, very good M4 and... Probably, yeah, I think around the M4 range. Where do you see it, MJ? I
1: I think if you get him on M4 on draft day, you are just letting everybody know how high quality of a human being you are and giving them that. Uh, Look, I think some leagues he might go M2 because someone's super bullish. M3, I think, is about that median place where he goes. on sort of draft day and then yeah if if he slides to M4 I want in on that draft absolutely (laughs) that would be the place but there will be people that are bullish on him and they just go he's a 105 guy this year and I love him and I want to own him maybe it's because they play in a keeper league or a dynasty league and they own him and they just want to have that in this new league as well so yeah for me I think M3 is the sweet spot if you're desperate to have him I think you have to jump early and get him at an M2 and that might be early and i think it probably is early but i don't understand why you'd go there and then yeah i think you're right m4 that's that is the absolute win of wins um, if you can land him through there and maybe you do if people are really desperately wanting to lock away those forwards and defenders early and hoping well i'll just i'll just go in for mids later on in the draft and i'll just pick up the heppels the swallows the sloans these guys all at the back end you actually might get him through there. So it's it's not as crazy as someone hearing it goes, M4, Louis, you've lost the plot. No, no. <laughs> if, if people structure their draft out right, there's absolutely a world I do see that happening. So appreciate your thoughts, man. And thank you for joining us as we talked about Matt Rao.
0: No, absolute pleasure, MJ. Uh, One of my favourite players already, so I love talking about Matt Rowe.
1: As it should be. If you want to go and read the article, it is online now for you at coachespanel.tv. Tomorrow we get to the number 12 player. If you'd like to know who that is already, our Patreons, they already know. You can join that Patreon supporter group with all the links also, you can find it at coachespanel.tv and every single episode of the 50 most relevant, you can grab that via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your Google Podcasts. So if you're just into rolling into February thing in yeah, you should probably think about my fantasy side. I've just caught up on the 50 today. Go back, man. There is hours and hours, episodes upon episodes, for you to go and check out. All right, the teens are done. The top 12 is away. Who's at number 12? I'll tell you tomorrow i keep it true.